How are you guys doing? Good. It's good to be here with you. Um, I just want to take a quick second. I love being an owner in this body, getting to follow leaders like Wilson who both practice what they preach, but then also like are so willing to just be vulnerable in like their not even shortcomings, but like just willing to tell the whole story that like he didn't want to talk to this guy, but because he was obedient to what Jesus was saying that he like went for it. So I, mean, I just want to encourage you guys. It's a, this is an awesome place to be. I'm just so privileged to, uh, to work here and, um, but even more than that, to, to participate as a member of this body. So, uh, but anyway, good morning. Uh, my name is Jordan. Uh, if we've never met before, my role here is I am the I'm the youth pastor. So I work with fifth through twelfth grade students, and uh, it's a great privilege to get to be here this morning and and share upstairs to the adults, where whether you receive what I say or not, you at least pretend to listen, which is really nice. It's really refreshing. I often say that if you can preach to sixth graders, you can preach to anybody. I don't know that I can preach to sixth graders yet, but I'm getting there. Um, man, this morning has been so powerful, and I just feel like God wants to do something today. And I, I just like have this sense that he's going to move. And, and in our pre-service prayer time, uh, Wilson shared a thought that I'm going to totally butcher how he said it. But it was something along the lines of like any time the word of God is preached, there's an opportunity for everyone who hears it to leave different. And I'm just believing for that this morning, that like something crazy is going to happen and God is going to show up and he's going to touch your life no matter where you're at. And, uh, and things are going to turn upside down in the best way possible for you. So uh, let's just pray for that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Would you come and move and have your way and... And help this preacher. He needs you. And uh, we just ask that your presence be poured out here. That you'd move and change lives forever. Amen. All right, so my message today is titled, A Companion for the Journey. Is that on there behind? No, it's not there. Okay, that's fine. Um, A Companion for the Journey. And uh, my text for the morning is... Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and flip there. Um, But I I think it'll be on the screen behind me. But let's just read that together. And uh, here we go. Or, sorry, I'm going to read it. And you can follow along if you'd like. It says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and the heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So as a, as a church, we're in this series called Following the King, where we are going all the way through the book of Matthew. In cooking terms, we are going low and slow. Uh, we're, we're going verse by verse, 
We're not taking massive chunks at a time. We're just trying to soak in everything that this book has for us. And um, in this series, ultimately what we're doing is we're here to learn how to orient or even reorient or realign our lives around following King Jesus. Now, if I have learned anything in my time following the King, it's this. It can be really hard to follow Jesus. It can be a grind. Sometimes it just feels like there are constant obstacles and roadblocks and barriers that just get in the way as we're trying to follow Jesus. And I'm sure that we're going to look at this thought more in the weeks to come, but following the king is an invitation to look different than the world around us, which automatically means there's going to be challenges. It automatically means there's gonna be barriers and that it's, it's, sometimes it's just going to be hard. You know, sometimes there's like an er, internal struggle where maybe uh, you believe in Jesus and you've been following him and you go to church and all that, but maybe you still have some doubts or questions that you're like, I believe enough to be like, I'm committed to this, but what about this? Or maybe you're wanted, like you have this desire to be a better follower of Jesus. You, um, you want to see more fruit in, in your life as a result of following him, but that just hasn't happened for you. You either can, maybe you struggle continually with the same kind of sins or temptation, or you're just like not seeing the power in your life that you had thought would come along with following the king. Maybe on like a more, a more external personal level, uh, maybe you've got close friends or family who are unbelievers, and maybe that relationship's mostly good, but you've felt the pain and tension of believing differently from them, and maybe there's some level of separation in your relationship because you follow the king. Or maybe, I'm sure there are others in the room, you've had relationships end because of your decision to follow Jesus. And I can only imagine that that's extremely painful. And then on like a a massive, like cultural scale, to probably overly minimize it, In some circles, Christians have gone from celebrated to tolerated and maybe even extreme cases, rejected. And that can be hard as we try to live in this world, in your your workplace or in your friend groups or, or, you know, wherever you spend your time. And historically, this is nothing new. I mean, just read the book of Acts. It's been hard to follow Jesus from day one. And then on through history, it, it, it's, it's always been difficult. And even Jesus himself says things like, in the world, you'll face trouble. And families will be divided against each other. Before this gets too doom and gloom, I do want to add a caveat to this statement. Following the king is hard, but it's worth it. Consider the Cincinnati Bengals. Had to slip that in there today, right? If you didn't know, they have a huge game today. Literally the biggest game in over three decades. They're in like a do or die situation where if they lose this afternoon, they're just done for the season. If they win, they go on to their first Super Bowl since the 80s. That's huge. That, 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 that's a massive thing. And now, I don't personally know any players or coaches with the Bengals, but I can say with a high degree of confidence that if you asked them, 
none of them would say it's been easy to get where they're at. They would all say it's been hard, but it's been worth it. And to a greater degree, following Jesus can be hard, but it's also worth it. Now I want to take a moment and walk through this passage that we just read. It starts by saying, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now, I was doing a little bit of reading this week, and I I learned some some interesting things about this journey for Jesus that that really highlighted the intentionality of Jesus, the the importance that he uh, recognized this trip as, but because growing up, I think I just read this story as like, oh yeah, Jesus just like one day stopped by the Jordan River, and like there was a massive crowd, so he's like, okay, yeah, this seems like a good time, I'll get baptized. But in reality, this was like a long journey for Jesus. It was about 70 miles from where Jesus would have been living at that time to go be baptized by John in the Jordan. So like this is a very intentional trip. Jesus had some level of awareness, even like as he's going there, of the significance of this moment. Now the passage continues, but John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you, yet you come to me. Jesus answered him, allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. So we see that even John in the moment had an awareness of who Jesus was, that, that he recognized, like, this is, a, this is the man, this is the guy. I don't, I shouldn't, like, he recognizes, I shouldn't baptize you, you should baptize me. But Jesus says this, kind of like maybe confusing or easily over-spiritualized statement where he says to fulfill all righteousness. Now, just to kind of like break it down, I I think that like it's really easy to over-spiritualize that word righteousness, but ultimately what it means is like by design or as it ought to be or as God intended for something. So what he's saying is like this is God's will for us. This is what we are supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to be. To understand that word righteousness, I usually explain it like a smartphone. Is there, most people in here probably have a smartphone, right? And you've got your apps and all that stuff. Now, if you're like swiping through your smartphone and you click on your email app and it opens your email, your phone's working righteously as it was designed. You click on your email, opens your email. That's what it's supposed to do. Now, if you're swiping through and you click on your email but it opens YouTube, It's unrighteous. It's not working as it's designed to do. So like all Jesus is saying here is like we are doing what God wants us to do. Like this is how he's set it up. And so because of the significance of this moment, I think it's important that we look back to the beginning of chapter three where we see who John is and what he's doing and and kind of like this explanation of his ministry just like as a quick recap. But at the very beginning of the chapter, it says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. For he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah who said, A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. So right there we see this like Old Testament prophecy quoted and and what the author Matthew here is, is pointing out is that John is the forerunner to the the messianic king. John is the one that's supposed to come and prepare 
the way for the Lord. So, uh, and, and in that prophecy where it says, he's the one crying out in a wilderness, make his path straight, this is actually an, a, a picture of what it would have looked like for a foreign king or a dignitary to travel to a foreign country, especially if the most efficient way was through a wilderness. Essentially, what would happen is um, there'd be like a team that would go ahead of the king and his entire court and whoever was traveling with him. Because, I mean, how often is a, like an, an ancient king going to travel just like on a donkey by himself through the, through the wilderness? Like, that's just not going to happen. There's going to be this whole party that goes with him. And so this, these people would go before him, and they would literally create roads for the king to come through. They would remove obstacles, they would clear trees out and that sort of thing, making it so that the king could come as efficiently as possible. Now, that might be hard to believe, but many of you have actually experienced this in your life. If you've ever driven through the mountains, someone has gone before you and cleared a way, created a highway for you to be able to drive through. So, and, and this is essentially the same thing that's happening. And so John's ministry is to spiritually prepare the path for the coming king. He is laying a groundwork for Jesus' ministry. He's, he's standing there yelling at people, repent, the kingdom is coming. He's saying, change your mind about what you thought the messianic king would look like because he's gonna look different. But then he's also saying, turn from your sin. Prepare yourselves to see God. And the way that he prepared this pathway for Jesus was through this symbolic baptism of repentance. So if you picture it, people are being baptized and baptized and baptized where they're, they're literally being dunked under the water in this river. And imagine they are creating a pathway for the king. There's like this spiritual road that's being set up. But the, the kind of the crazy thing about this moment is Jesus didn't have anything to repent of. He, he was without sin. So why does he go to get baptized, and why is this the way that God intends it? And I, this is what I think. I think Jesus' baptism is his way of walking the path that John prepared for him. The, the baptism, because of things that we're gonna see that happens next, is both the confirmation of Jesus as the coming king and the confirmation of John's ministry, proving ultimately that he was the one to come before the Messiah. If you've ever ran track or you've ever watched a relay race, um, you'll see that there's a moment where when one runner is passing the baton to the next, there's essentially this like overlap where they both have their hand on the baton at the same time. This is the passing of the baton from John as the forerunner to Jesus continuing on the race. And so we have this image where all these people are baptized and, and it's the same thing every day. John stands up and tells them to stop sinning and then dunk, move on, dunk, move on, dunk, move on. But then Jesus comes and he gets dunked, but something different happens. Something that through hundreds or thousands, however many people John had baptized, that had never happened to that point. It says this, 
When John was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So what we actually see in like that little section there is this confirmation of several prophecies and the mirroring of several Old Testament scriptures. And two that I want to highlight to you right now is first in Isaiah 42, one, where it says, this is my servant. I strengthen him. This is my chosen one. I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. So we see this word delight, which is uh, very closely reflected in, in the word, I'm well pleased. And then also that the spirit would rest on him. Then the next one, Psalm 2, verse 7, says, I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. So in this moment, we see that, that Jesus is like the chosen king, the, the servant of the Lord, who the spirit is going to rest upon, whom God delights in, and then also that he is not just simply like a prophet, but he's actually the son of God. And now, these are indicators, as well as several others, that people would have been looking for to understand the, the coming of the Messiah, so Jesus walks down this pathway prepared for him by John. He receives the baptism, but the Spirit comes down and rests upon him, and God declares, this is my son. To further the image of Jesus like actually walking down a pathway, it's as if all these people who have been preparing for the coming of the Lord have, have done everything they can. They've prepared the pathway, and they're waiting. They've reached a point that they cannot go any further, and they're waiting for the king to come and lead them in. And so the king walks down the path, and it's like he opens this door that everyone is just waiting to get through. And in his baptism, Jesus takes over as the forerunner, and he opens the door for what is the invasion of the kingdom of God all over the earth. It's by the power of the Spirit that the kingdom of God advances. This moment is Jesus' commissioning and equipping for ministry. And at this moment, Jesus receives empowerment for his mission on earth and a public declaration of his identity from heaven. And this is all catalyzed by the Holy Spirit resting upon him. Now, we'll see this play out in greater measure in the coming weeks as we continue through the, the, the gospel of Matthew, but I want to highlight a theme that we're going to see throughout, and honestly, we see throughout the rest of Scripture that's really started right here, and it's that in Jesus receiving the Holy Spirit, it opened the floodgates for the kingdom of heaven to invade the earth. The kingdom of heaven, it, it, it comes in by the Spirit. He's the conduit for the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. The miraculous power that we'll see Jesus exhibit is not out of his divinity. It's, it's actually a man empowered by the Spirit of God. I've heard it said, Jesus' ministry on earth 
was not to demonstrate what God could do as a man, but to show what man could do empowered by God. And now I do want to like add here, like Jesus as the God-man, this like crazy mystery of being both 100% God and 100% man and, and had perfect faith and perfect trust in God and, and all this stuff, like he did this way more perfectly than anybody else. But it, 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 he still serves as our example in, in, in being empowered by the Spirit. Because what happens next is as Jesus begins to release the kingdom, it becomes apparent that his intention is not to be the sole kingdom releaser on the earth. He actually desires to empower his followers. And in fact, at one point, Jesus tells his, like, his best friends, he's like, it's better that I leave you so I can send the helper who's going to empower you to keep doing what I've been doing. So Jesus doesn't want to be the only kingdom releaser. He, he, he desires to commission his followers to do this. And he, at following his death, resurrection, and ascension, he actually pours out his spirit, the same spirit that rested upon him at his baptism, the same spirit that empowered him, that we're gonna see, like the very next line, then Jesus was led up by the spirit, the same spirit that guided the son of God through life. He pours that spirit out on all of his followers. And the good news is that he continues to do that to this day. He's still pouring out his spirit. Now following the king is hard, but the good news is that he gives us a companion for the journey. You know, for a long time in my Christian life, I felt so stuck. I felt doomed to continue in the same habits that I was never able to break, to struggle with the same temptation that I ever had. I felt powerless to break free from sin struggles that had been weighing me down for years. And all the while, I just felt like God was mad at me. I didn't know who I was in Christ I didn't know who my God was, and I didn't know what he was capable of. Like, I just had this image of an angry God who was crossing his arms, tapping his foot, looking at me, just so mad, saying, when are you going to shape up? And this was the image I had of God, and, and I was all too familiar with how powerless I was to effectively follow the king on my own. I was totally unable to do it. But then I encountered his spirit. And his spirit, it started to point me to Jesus. And I met the real Jesus, the one who is alive and active right now. And I learned that he's actually a God of great love and mercy. And then I began to read and study and listen and, and watch videos and teachings to understand who God was. And I started to learn that, that Jesus is actually the exact image of God, that he perfectly represents the Father. And so this image that I had of like an angry God looking at me like, well, you messed up again, when are you gonna fix that, was just totally inaccurate. 
Yes, Jesus is passionate about walk, you walking in wholeness and not sinning anymore, but he, he looks at, I, I think of the, the woman caught in adultery where he looked at her and he said, I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. And it's through this process that I actually began to see the power of God by the Spirit move in my life. I started to see freedom I never dreamed was possible, and I got to know God in a way that blows my mind constantly to this day. To the point where once I encountered his spirit, I was literally like, what did I believe before this? Could I get uh, some keys out here? We're gonna wrap up soon. You know, the Spirit is our companion on this journey. He's described in the Bible in so many different ways. He's called the helper, the counselor, the advocate, truth, knowledge, guide, comforter, companion. So many more. And he, ultimately, he is God with us here, present, right now. And just as the Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism, and Jesus was empowered and received his public identity from, from heaven, when the Spirit comes upon us, we receive our identity or confirmation of our identity and empowerment for the life we're called to live in following the King. And now I do wanna take just a quick second and I'm not gonna like walk through specific scriptures, but I personally believe, and I think as a, as a church here, we believe, that there's a difference between the indwelling and regeneration that comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Like that moment that you say, I'm going to follow Jesus and you begin to follow the King and you become born again, new creation, uh, like totally regenerated and restored to God. Like that's one thing. There's the indwelling of his spirit in, in every believer. Anyone who says, I'm, gonna, I'm committed to following Jesus for the rest of my life, we receive that. But it's, it's an entirely different thing to be empowered by the Spirit. We see in the, the Gospel of John, Jesus' apostles actually receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus appears to them. And, and it's kind of this crazy scene where he like shows up and he breathes on them and, and they receive the Holy Spirit. But then when he ascends, he says, wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out. Because there, there's a difference between the indwelling and the empowering. When, when the Holy Spirit baptizes you or comes upon you or fills you, these are all different words that the Bible uses to describe these moments outside of the Holy Spirit living inside of you where he comes upon you. And I, I believe biblically that this is a, an experience that we can receive honestly daily. Like, he can pour out whenever. And so if you feel like you're struggling in life, if you can't overcome temptation or you feel stuck in habitual sin, you're desiring more fruit in your life, you wanna have more godly character or, or even external expressions of power where you, 
where you see people healed when you pray for them, where you receive prophetic words and words of knowledge for people, or just to have moments like what Wilson described on the plane where he was like emboldened and decided like, I'm gonna listen to what God's telling me right now and, and just ask this guy a question, YOLO. Seek out the spirit in greater measure. Second Peter one says that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. The Holy Spirit has given us, equipped us for everything that we need in order to follow the King. He provides it all. Now, if you struggle to believe what God says about you, who he says you are, that in Christ you're a new creation, that, that you've become the righteousness of God, that he's crucified you, and it's no longer you that lives, but now Christ lives through you, that you live new life, that you're a son or a daughter, the Holy Spirit is the guy for you. Because he loves to tell, tell the followers of Jesus who they are in Christ. Romans 8, 15 to 16 says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit reveals who we are. Before we just land this plane completely and, and I wanna do a little bit of ministry, I wanna share with you just kind of one more thing. Being filled with the Spirit, it's not a one-time deal. I believe he's available every day and also, I don't think it has to look one way. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, come up front for ministry time and, you know, you start weeping and then you're thrown on the floor and then you're just like gone for three hours and, you know, those moments are cool and great. And I've had some experiences, not quite that extreme, but, but like it can happen that way, but he doesn't need the piano, which I recognize the irony of the moment, he doesn't need the lights set just right. He doesn't need the perfect message preached right before. Like, he can fill you anytime you ask. And in fact, some of the craziest encounters I've personally had with God were not at an altar. They were when I was driving, or when I was walking, when I was just sitting at my kitchen table reading. Like, I there, uh, just have maybe almost a year ago at this point, I was sitting at my kitchen table reading in the morning, just by myself. I was reading this book about the history of the vineyard movement. And uh, I just felt stirred to pray and thank God for the vineyard movement, and uh, which is the kind of denomination thing that we're a part of here at this church. And uh, I just wanted to stop and pray and thank God for the vineyard and that I found it. And I, I flipped my book over and I just said, God, thank you for the vi And just like immediately like emotions just hit me that, uh, like, that I couldn't just conjure up. I started like, like my face got really tight and I started laughing uncontrollably for like two minutes straight. And then like I started crying and I was like, I don't even know why. I think these are tears of joy because I'm happy to be part of the vineyard. But like, like God just like did something. Like there was this like filling that happened and I wasn't even specifically asking for it. He just showed up.
And so like the filling of the spirit, I do believe like God will fill you at significant moments and, and, and at significant times, but it's available all the time. He constantly wants to be with you. He loves to be with you. And in fact, like the Holy Spirit, we over-spiritualize him. He is for every moment. He is for when our kids aren't listening and, and when they've been screaming for 10 minutes and won't go to bed. He's for when we're doing the dishes, <laughs> when you're driving to work, when, when you have to have a hard conversation with your boss or you're in conflict with a coworker or just when life is great and you're just enjoying your lunch. Like he wants to be with you. He wants to fill you and empower you and remind you of who you are in Christ. As followers of Jesus, we need fillings of the Spirit. And so to, to end, I just wanna give you a few things that you can do in response to this, if you're just stirred to, to pursue more of him. First, for anybody here who's like new to the Holy Spirit, and like this is kind of like an uncharted territory for you, which I, I was there a few years ago. I, I just wanna encourage you, search for him. You know, read your Bible. It does a really good job of showing you who he is. <laughs> um, pray, ask the Lord, like, are you in this? Seek him. Um, read other books. Do, you know, do whatever you can to learn who he is. One book I recommend is a book called Hello, Holy Spirit um, by Diane Lehman. She's a friend of this church and uh, her and her husband, Happy, planted a vineyard several years ago and ran it for years and they're awesome, but in that book, she really did, it's a great introduction to who the Holy Spirit is, breaks down different attributes of who he is. And then also, shameless plug, take Vineyard Northwest School of Supernatural Ministry. I guarantee they're going to talk about it. And this is going to be a fantastic way for you to get introduced to who the Holy Spirit is and what he wants to do in and through your life. Then for those who are sitting here and you're like, I know the Holy Spirit. This is like my 10,000th message on the Holy Spirit, card-carrying charismatics. I, I encourage you to reflect on the work of the Spirit in your life. Because there's something, like some of the most significant moments for me with the Holy Spirit I've, I've written down or, or typed out on my phone and there's just something about going back to them and just like reliving it and remembering. Cause there's something about our memory that it'll let it kind of like fade and you'll lose the power. But like, I've gone back and read encounters that I wrote down hours after they happened. I was like, wow, it happened that way. It was that big. I was crying for that long. And, and like, it just like kind of like re-energizes you. It, it re-motivates you to, to continue to seek out his fillings. But then finally, for all followers of Jesus, consistently pursue him in your life. Ask for more of him. Go to the Father and ask for a greater measure of his spirit in your life. He's a good dad, and he is always willing and excited to give you more. We need the Holy Spirit. Following the king is hard, and we're not gonna be able to do it alone. He's given us a companion, one who never leaves us even when we feel alone, when we're in the midst of pain, of broken relationships, when we don't know how to interact with people who disagree with us. He always reveals truth in a world that's constantly questioning it. He's always available to us at any moment revealing who our Father is and who we are to Him. 
So I just wanna take a moment and do a little bit of ministry here, um, both just for like a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, and, and then maybe we'll do some like more specific stuff in a, in a second. But, but first, if, if you're in here and, and you've either never experienced a filling of the Holy Spirit, or you're just like, I just want more right now, would you just stand up for me? And I'm, we're just gonna pray for you. Wilson, do you, I realize you stand it up, stood up, but do you want to come help? Cool. <laughs> Sorry, no more for you. Hey, so if you stood up, if you're, if as as much as the room allows, would you come forward? And we're we're gonna pray for you. And then, um, if you're someone here on our prayer team, or you've been through. School of Kingdom ministry, you've been equipped in the, the prayer model. We'd like to invite you to help us just lay hands on people also. Yeah, come on up all the way over to the edge. And I just wanna encourage you, this, doesn't, this will not look the same for everybody. Let's just do this. Just, just close your eyes, do whatever you gotta do to help you kind of like get out of the room. Just look at Jesus. Turn your attention to him. So ultimately, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He points us back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here. King Jesus, would you pour out your spirit on us? Release your companion into the room. Thank you for what you're doing, the way you're starting to move. Just welcome even more of your presence here. Yeah, more, Lord, come. And just one thing I felt at the beginning of the service was that he was gonna be refreshing people who feel weary right now. So if you're up here and you just, you feel beat down by life, he wants to restore you and refresh your heart. Holy Spirit, would you come in your peace, come in your power, restore hearts, refresh us with your presence. Yeah, I just encourage you, if you're down front, put your hands out, and in your heart, as you put your hands out, just say, I'm open. Say that in your heart, I'm open. And I just see God's power coming on people, like a little bit of energy, maybe you just feel like you've been swaying or energy, so I just say, more power. Thank you for your power, Lord, more, increase. More, Lord, more, just give into it, more. Thank you, Lord, more. Bless you more, God. More, Holy Spirit. 